Podcast 12 Days of a Christmas Carol 2 Ebenezer Boogaloo. I'm Joe, and with me in Melbourne, as always, is my co host Mitch. And happy hey. Festivus to you, Mitch. Happy Festivus. Yes, it's the time for the airing of grievances. You're going to talk about editing again, aren't you? How much editing you got to do over this? We're getting better, actually, so it's not as much edited. Okay. So you don't have to bleep so much when I say. <laughs> Just put no. a big bleep in there. <laughs> and you haven't been coughing as much this year, so maybe that COVID injection has helped. I actually got tested. Oh, did you? Mm. My daughter's kinder was an exposure site, so we all had to stop and get tested. It was lovely. It was a good 12 hours of waiting to see if I was sick or not. Anyways, that's my airing of grievances. Yes. So today we're going a little bit further back than we did yesterday. We're going back to 1949 for this one. And this is a bit of a strange pickup that you managed to find. I, I think I watched it on YouTube. I think you were saying you watched it on Tubi. I did. But it is a 1949 low-budget television special filmed in black and white where famous character actor, horror actor, Vincent Price, reads A Christmas Carol, the novel, and they enact certain parts of it in filmed footage. It's quite different in the fact that they don't do everything in film. A lot of it is him reading the story. But yeah, I don't know about this one. It's a, it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, I, I kind of dug it. It was, a, it was like you said, 1949. It was a TV production. So when they say low budget, I don't know if there was big budget stuff back. But um, I don't know if Vincent Price was a huge name back then either. Because I mean, I, I know now, like obviously he's, he's part of Hammer Horror and all the horror movies. But by 1949, I don't remember his name being mentioned in the Universal Horror times so i don't know what he was but he was quite a charming young dapper man he was he very was, attractive he? yeah he was kind of cool and he had that awesome voice and quite younger so he didn't have that old raspiness that i'm familiar with see it's funny because for me vincent price when i was a kid the first i knew of vincent price was the fact that he narrated that bit on michael jackson's thriller yeah and i didn't know who he was prior to that and after that everyone's like oh horror legend vincent price is on michael jackson's album sort of thing and it was like oh so that's who that dude is so for me he was just the thriller guy for a long time yeah and that's probably me showing my ignorance but yeah i I had no idea who he was we had no reference for him growing up unless we got old movies and we weren't probably weren't looking for old movies back then no because he wasn't around he wasn't on the love boat or anything he probably was i think he was but much later so this was kind of cool. So he was there and he was reading and he actually had a, he read a forward a little bit by Charles Dickens himself talking about why he wrote the play. And then he started reading the story of A Christmas Carol. And that slowly blends in into the, the acting that is The Christmas Carol. Yep. Now, Ebenezer Scrooge is played by Taylor Holmes. Now, I know no idea who this guy is, but he's American for a start. So it took me out a little bit. He wasn't. He wasn't English for a start, but it was. No. It, I got used to it after a while. You're only in this for 28 minutes. It's not that hard. And it, it was very much 1949 theatre acting because this, this is early days of television. So I guess there weren't television actors back then. They were all theatre actors, maybe movie actors if you're lucky. And we got everything we needed, talking to Bob Cratchit, having a whinge, having a moan, but it was a very truncated version. So there was a lot of Vincent Price narrating it, saying things. 
And then we've got, we almost got key scenes and not everything played out as fully as we're even used to. So he sort of does his Bob Cratchit thing. Fred comes to visit. Fred's great. He's very American too. They're all very, not English, I suppose, is the best I can say. And then he goes home. And we get a bur- bursting through the door, Kool-Aid Man style, Jacob Marley in a special effect, which I think was quite effective for 1949. I was I was impressed. Yeah. And then there was no ethereal version after that. It was just two of them talking. He was covered in his chains. They had their chat. He explained things very efficiently, Basil Exposition style. I was like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go boom, boom, boom. He's got that typical Ebenezer performance where he he's, just, he's you know he's the strong-willed, smartest man in the room kind of feel. How dare you talk about that? He does talk about the potato. He does, yes. You know, the undigested potato or the undercooked potato or the dollop of mustard. I don't, I'm not a big fan of mustard, but is, is mustard that bad? Can that affect you that much? Strong English mustard probably does. None of this crappy American yellow shit. Okay, fair enough. Sorry for any mustard fans out there. But, yeah, so it's like, okay. So we get all that. We know the gist. We go through it. It's very quick, very efficient. And every time we need to transition to something new, it generally goes back to Vincent Price reading again. Now, this, just reading here, it was syndicated, one of the originally syndicated TV shows on TV. So 1949, very early days of television. And it was sponsored by Magnavox, which obviously made televisions. And it was the first use of television advertising. So there were actually commercial breaks in between sections we've grown up with commercial breaks we know what they are we know television tropes we know when it goes to black or it goes out and comes back in all these sort of things are common but in 1949 you hadn't seen that stuff before would they have been live read television ads though they could have been they would have been local if it was syndication so it could have been live reads it could have been a lot of things so but this definitely wasn't film live because there were special effects and the fact that you know there was the he bust through the wall which is kind of cool So he gets his visit, you know, it's the same story. We're talking, it's 28 minutes, so it's very efficient. Anything that we don't talk about was generally narrated by Vincent Price. So he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas past. It wasn't a glowing ethereal form that was changing shape. No, it was just a dude. Yep. Yep. And they got a quick visit to school where it's like, this is you as a kid. Yep. You get it. You get footage of a kid and he talks about it, how sad he is and this and that. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. And in efficiency, it talks about, oh yeah, you met a girl, you fell in love with Belle, you proposed to her, let's go have a look. And he goes, no, I don't want to see it was terrible <laughs> and they move on that's all you hear they don't even that, show it no. yeah he goes i don't want to see it take me home yeah so we get bella talked about but we don't actually see and then it goes through we get ghost of christmas present now i was a little bit disappointed with the ghost of christmas present here because in nearly every version the ghost of christmas present is a big booming man with a big beard yes it's brian blessed yeah exactly but this version in this one was a dude with clean shaven with sideburns and a bit of a quiff. Yeah. He looked like 1949 man. He didn't look like... Like Chuck Connors or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's almost your George Reeves Superman sort of look. So it, yeah. for me, it didn't work. It was a different take, that's for sure, because we are so used to the bearded man. Yeah. And this one wasn't, but they all came across as local actors and he was probably the biggest guy in the in the troupe. Yeah. Not quite as bad as the local actors in this Roddy Piper version that we watched earlier, but... Yeah, they just didn't come across as how they should have to me. Yeah, it was just a different take. But yeah, we're talking, you know, uh, well, we've seen a lot and a lot since then. This is, you know, one of the first television versions of it. And they're saying it's low budget. So do they have enough of a budget for a beard? 
probably not. But yeah, so he he does all the modern day tropes. Going to see Tiny Tim. Going to see this. He asks the question: Is he going to live? Oh, I see. Uh, I see an empty chair with a crutch against it. Blah blah blah. We get all the same stuff, but efficiently done. It's like boom, 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 in and yeah. out. Something I picked up on that they do a little bit different is the fact that. Scrooge himself makes reference to the fact that um, Bob Cratchit doesn't earn a lot of money, but they cut to seeing Christmas Day at the Cratchit family and they've got a big spread. And the ghost of Christmas present actually says that he used his magic to give them the Christmas cheer that they deserve, which I've never seen before. I think it was the first time they've done that in any of the specials we've watched. Yeah, because we've, we've only, I only noticed this time around that doing the specials, how much power his you know horn of plenty had that he could actually make food bigger or give people food. So yeah, I've never seen him do anything with the Cratchits before. So that's interesting. They, their house looked pretty good for someone in fifteen shillings a week. Yeah, and one of the daughters. It was the first acting appearance of Jill St John. Mm. Now Jill St John, I think, was a Bond woman. She was an actress in the sixties, and she's most famously for me as being the first. What they call them was moles in the batman 66 television show was always the bad you know the bad guys the villains they always had their their girl sidekicks and they were always called they were called moles in the show and she was the very first mole that ended up going back into the bat cave in that first episode with the riddler or the second episode technically because it was a two-parter and she fell into the um atomic power battery yeah and died so that, that's Jules and John. So there's a bit of a link there to Batman because, you know, any chance I can. Exactly. Yeah, so we get the Cratchits. We get a quick visit to the Cratchits. We see a bit of Fred. <coughs> oh, do we get Fred? No, we don't we get Fred. I don't think no, we, we get Fred. We don't get Fred, but we get the Cratchits and we get them with a the whole I – th- I think they even did the, the church bit, the fact that they came back from church on Christmas Day and they did the whole God bless us everyone line and all that sort of stuff too. Yep. And so that that goes on. He goes home and we get a bit more Vincent Price. Then we get the Ghost of Christmas Future. Now, I was looking forward to this and, again, disappointed by the ghosts. Yeah. Because he's got a face. Well, not real. He has. It's just a dude in a robe where you can kind of see a bit of his face sticking out through the eye hole of the robe. And Mm. they don't disguise his hands at all. So he just has a very human hand sticking out the armhole of the robe as well doing his pointing. Yeah. So but, we, we get the same tropes going forward. He's like, oh, yeah, Tiny Tim's dead. You get the whole, you know, he's talking about the funeral plot that he found for him, overlooks a town that he loved and blah, blah, blah. And we get a little gist of the people buying or selling his gear, but it's so quick. Like, this is the most efficient. Like, oh, admittedly, the 1911 short film was more efficient as far as telling this story, but this, this is very short. Like, I mean, Vincent was telling the bits in between. And, you know, so he does the whole thing. And like most of the time, he's holding on to the cloak saying, does this have to be true? Does it have to be? Can I change it? Can I change it? And he wakes up and he's holding his either bedclothes or the corner of the bed or something like that. Yeah. He's like, oh, what day is it? Does the whole, it's still Christmas Day. Thank God I haven't missed it. Let's go. And he goes off, buys the food, does the thing, grabs I, Fred. I thought the redemption was quite well done because he's he was obviously in a, he was been in a mood. Yeah, he's, he's an older man at the start walking around with a cane. But then when he gets up on Christmas morning and he realises it is Christmas morning, he's jumping about joyfully, doing a bit of a jig. And he does a bit of a twirl with his cane and he's all, all happy that it's Christmas and he's still alive. Yeah, and he's uh, it's good that one where it's sort of like he is very confident like at the start and grumpy. Then as it goes on, he does sort of go through that redemption of like, oh, I don't know, I'm not, I don't like this, I'm scared. And then at the end, he's very happy. 
So we get that great through of the character progression. And he dresses up in his nines and he goes off. and he Because well, what they do differently in this one, he's not in his bed clothes like he normally is when he does the, the whole visiting the ghosts. It, part of the narration that Vincent Price says yeah. is that he's too tired to get changed and he sleeps in his clothes. So the rest of this whole thing, he's sleeping in just his normal day clothes. And when he wakes up on Christmas Day, he then gets dressed into his fine suit, goes off and celebrates. Yep, and he goes and helps. And we get the narration at the end talking about how he becomes, you know, a second father to Tiny Tim. They become great and he lives on. There is no empty chair and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't mind it, but I felt like it just cut scenes. Like they just, I wasn't sure if they cut scenes or if it was just that was just efficient TV because they only had a half hour and this is the way to do it. But yeah, the fact that he ran off, you know, oh, let's go see Bella and this woman. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very it. different to the 2001 Nicolas Cage run we watched early on, where that just spent an awful lot of time on backstory that I didn't think you needed. This one, the backstory that you probably did need, they just went, nope, fuck that, no. we're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Roy Kent was in editing. Can we film this? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, I didn't mind it. Like, it was good to see young Vincent Price. And you were in and out quick enough. He has a very commanding voice, doesn't he? It's just something about it. just was voice. charming, but he looked charming too because he had a smile on his face because he's telling a nice story. He's not menacing at all. Mm. And he's just very welcoming. I was just like, ah, oh, I felt comfortable. Yes. I was like, I want more stories read to me by Vincent Price. It was but, lovely. Yes. Well, as we said, if you do want to check it out, it is on YouTube and it is on Tubi. So it's probably worth having a little watch of. As it's we said, short. It's 26 minutes or something like that. So, yeah, it doesn't take long. In and out. Get it done. Yes. Oh, my geezer. And since it's the day before Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Eve Eve, it's probably a good idea just to do something short because everyone's got stuff to do. I'm getting set for my last day of work for, for a few days after Christmas. So, yeah, we just need something, maybe a, a little bit of a palate cleanser before we jump into the final day. All right, cool. All right, well, let's leave it at that. Yes. Let's leave you people to the, the wilds of the season and we will back to you tomorrow and we'll, we'll leave you alone after that. We promise. Yeah. So tomorrow, we'll see you it. for our final episode tomorrow. All right, bye. Bye-bye. So it's-